and I, I'm telling the story because I rarely do podcasts anyway. But I'm telling you why I was salty at the time because I had these people like Jonathan Davis and Chester telling me you should be much bigger, you know. Yeah. So of course I'm like, wow. yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. And so- Whenever I need music gear, I always go to Sweetwater.com. If it's mics, headphones, or studio and recording gear, Sweetwater has you covered. Next time you need any music gear, support the podcast by using the link in the description and comment section below. The more you know, the more you don't know. <laughs> Isn't that that's so true? That that's fucked up, huh? It's like I say, right when you think you know something, you actually I don't know anything at all. You know, I reached a point in my life, yeah, where I'm not I'm will I won't like really be too firm on anything. It's like, uh, oh, maybe, maybe not, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially in these days of like there's just a conspiracy around every corner these days. And I'm like, eh, I'm not willing to buy into everyone. Yeah. It's hard to, it, when you go into like the, which I'm sure you have, when you go into like the conspiracy rab- rabbit hole. Yeah. Like, that's a never, that's a never <laughs> ending infinite like realm. Totally. And that's a lot of people's reality. Right, right. You have to be careful with it. Totally. Uh, if a gun, gun to my head, with conspiracies, I want to say seventy-five percent are true. Right, you know, I, I always like to say all conspiracies are not created equal. You know, totally. It's, because it's, yeah, I'm one of these guys who's like definitely believes the pyramids were uh, are a mystery and made by some unknown technology by perhaps mm-hmm. off-world intelligence. Yeah, You know, and then at the same time, you know, with the whole COVID thing and all this and that and this and that and the uh, QAnon, it's like, I'm, I'm not buying into much of that. No, <laughs> no, you know, no. <laughs> so I'm just like, ah, really, really? Uh, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. But, you know, I'm also into like, you know, the ET reality and, and all the things that are kind of coming out now in the halls of Congress, right? Yeah. Uh, that's turning out to just be all true. You know, all the retrieval of craft and all that, that for, you know, decades where people like me are like, is that what's going on here with like Roswell and Robert Lazar and all that, you know? Totally. It's all, it's all coming out. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of vindication for some of us, you know, tinfoil hat wearing people. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people have a lot of time on on their hands and and are very creative. You know, you know how you're obsessive and creative with your music. (laughs) Well, people could take that same energy into creating, you know, right story. (laughs) Right. And then when you think that there might be like even state agencies, whether they be Russian or whatever, that are actually actively online creating folklore and conspiracies for people to get attached to. Sure. You know, do I definitely, if gun in the head, I believe that because, well, I mean, it's come out, it's, it's very obvious. Like, I mean, there's like, uh, I guess you could say troll farms, Mm. but there's people actually like, uh, sometimes I read comments. I'm like, is that even a real person? Right. Is this even a real person? Even I try not to be like, <laughs> I try not to like burst people's bubbles. But when I get sent memes, I want to love them. But I, but knowing where memes come from, a lot of them, mm. they're like, this was made for a specific purpose at in a, a different country for us to react to it. Totally. It's, it's like I'm, Bob, you, you don't you don't want to be a party pooper. You know, you, know, you want to be like, yeah, that's, that's fucking, that's, that, that's a cool meme, but you don't, I, I don't know who made it. 
Right. <laughs> and you know what? It's an extension of what we used to call propaganda. I'm an old I'm an old guy, so like, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day, the propaganda, right? That sure. like either Russia or our country or who whatever country would put out. Yeah. It was more like you know, on the face of it, easier to see, you know, they're totally. trying to disparage another country in a movie yeah. or a cartoon or whatever, sure. you know, now it's yeah. just, it's, it's modernized and updated to be, you know, online for people to grasp in that way, but it's the same kind of mind game. Yeah. Well, Jared, I just want to say, I appreciate your, <laughs> your time and you being here. If, if you're not aware of uh, me and, and the guys are a big fan of Happy E. You know, uh, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy. Uh, cheers, man. Cheers, bro. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. I don't know if you're aware, but a lot of artists in my realm, I guess you could say world, uh, bands, style, love your band. No, I'm not aware. <laughs> that's great. I got to tell you, from where I sit and had PE now, um, signed the record deal in 96, and so now it's 2023. You know, it's it seems like uh, I exist on an island a lot, you know, as a band where um, that short, um, you know, we were a part of this sort of movement. And of course, you never know when you're just making music, you're just making it. Sure. You know, nobody, none of us realized it would be called new metal or. Yeah. Or whatever it ended up being called or whatever. So it is a trip where, you know, a scene kind of comes and goes really quick. But as as a guy like me, it's like, well, I'm not done. Maybe my scene's gone, but I'm certainly not done creating and doing my thing, you know. Uh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of times new metal, I think it's a, uh, the name itself definitely gets a bad rap. Um, I heard the bro from uh, Avenged Sevenfold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right is that who was uh or, or someone that said something uh, he, he was saying that like you know new metal when we came up was like a bad word okay you know <laughs> yeah so um but at the same time he was gracious about head pe you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's, it's 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 interesting reflecting on a career and and then you know you were plugged into a scene that you didn't intend on and i don't know it's it's a trip it's crazy how you yeah. didn't intend on it. You're just creating music that you do. Oh, you know, this is what we want to play. Right. 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 And, 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 uh, and for people that don't know you, Happy E has been very consistent and persistent throughout mm-hmm. your, I mean, I, I look back on your whole catalog. I'm like, oh, they've been putting out records every two years until, right. and even, even with, uh, with the Pandy still. Yeah, know? dude. Like That's you, when I really dug in. Like Jared, you never stopped. <laughs> Well, you know, it's out of necessity too, right? To pay mm-hmm. these bills. Yeah. You know, I wonder, because I always think to myself, if I was sitting on a mountain of cash, then what would I really <laughs> be doing? You know, um, sure. uh, how, how many songs, because I, you know, I've written like close to 200 songs at this point, uh, published. And then it's like, if I was on like a mountain of cash, that, that number would be way smaller. And the amount of time I'd spend on the road touring would be much less. Really? Yeah. Well, especially now because I have, you know, a two-year-old daughter, 15-year-old son. Yeah. It's like, I would like to spend a little more time at home, you know. But I'm stoked I have a a, a way to make some money, you know. It's not the worst way to make a living. You know? No. <laughs> like, you're part of a, a small handful of people that, that can say, for 20 years, uh, I made a career out of making music. Mm. Not a lot of people can say that, man. Right. And like we were talking about, it's a constant grind. Um, 
<clears throat> I'm not sure, you know, what your year looks like and how much time you spend on the road, you know, but for me, it's like out of necessity because, you know, 80% of my income's coming from that touring, you know. Still? Yeah. Holy crap. So I know I just can't figure out a way to make other money. I got to do it, though. But, but from the outside, <laughs> it seems like uh, it seems like you're living the dream because I, I just saw that you just took out your, your son for two weeks. Mm. Like, that's like, see, that's something that I look forward to. You know, how, how do I how do I do that? How do I <laughs> be able to go on tour, but I can still bring out, because I'm thinking like, you know, future family, future kids coming yeah. up. It's like, man, he did it. Yeah. He's, well, that is, that is amazing. That's one of the good... That's one of the joys, definitely, because he's got the bug. You know, he plays guitar, and mm -hmm. um, he he loved being on tour. And he grew he grew up literally on tour. You know, learned to crawl on a tour bus or whatever. You really? know, that type of shit. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, having him on the road that was amazing, bro. How is it? What? So he's how? Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. He's sixteen next month. Okay. So what, then what year was he born? That would be, gosh, you know, I'm embarrassed. There he is right there. Look at him. Um, uh, I don't know. Let's see if we're in 2023. 2008? Seven, 2008, yeah. Boom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. It's so great. That's the true joy. Like we we're talking about how motivations change. Like yeah. for sure, you know, getting into a band as a teenager uh, in the eighties was definitely only to like get girls and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but then as it grows, you're like, Oh wow, I really want to express myself. And, mm -hmm. but even after getting signed, you know, it was a lot of partying, a lot of chasing skirts, you know? And yeah. then now it's just all about fueling the family, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're like, you're a, you're a full on dad now. Yeah. And a proper husband and all a that, husband. you know, so trying to keep it all together, you know? So you're, you were born in Southern California. I was born in Fort Worth, Texas in oh, okay. 1964. Really? Yeah. So when, so when did you make the move there to California? Okay. So my dad was, a, um, he was going to college and got like degrees in theology and stuff. He's a pastor, a mm -hmm. Baptist pastor. So after he graduated and got some other masters or whatever from Columbia University, we moved to New York, then New Jersey. Then I went to seventh grade in Sarasota, Florida. Then I moved to Cali in eighth grade. You were all over. Yeah. Yeah, cause, because your parents are originally from Brazil. Yes, sir. So how, so how did they move here? Okay, so um, they're both like going to college. My mom was teaching English in Brazil. So they both came here to go to go to Columbia University. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, your so your mom comes from the indigenous side, right? Well, I'd say both. Like my dad's definitely the darker guy, yeah. you know. But I'm sure that my mom has some. Well, look, when I got my DNA done, it it, it kind of represents what Brazil is. It was like sixty five percent Portuguese, you know, <laughs> twenty you know twenty five percent um, African, and yeah. then um, fifteen percent indigenous, like sure. you know, natives. So <laughs> well, that definitely explains your music. <laughs> your music is all over the place, dude. Yeah, it's if, a blessing and a curse. It is. Yeah. It's like it's. I, I would describe it. It's like a. It's like schizophrenic new metal. <laughs> I always a, use the word schizophrenic for it too, yeah. It's like, so 
I mean, you, Jared, I mean, you came up in a very insane, special time. Like you're talking. So at what point were you in Huntington Beach? Huntington. Um, let's see here. Uh, I must have got to Huntington about 1990-ish. Okay. Yeah. Which is basically like the prime of. <laughs> oh, it was really popping off when I got there. Because, um, you know, <laughs> uh, I've had a problem with drug addiction my whole life, you know. And the reason I bring it up is because uh, I lived all over Cali, right? In one year, I may have lived in six different apartments or whatever, mm-hmm. just just living that really kind of grimy, dirty lifestyle. But um, finally, around the 90s, you know, I just moved from Santa Ana, somewhere here. down the street here, <laughs> and then uh, moved to Huntington Beach, um, and yeah, and that's where head PE kind of like did its whole thing. And we were all like roommates living together, you know, that, that whole type of, um, cliche of a band just living together. Um, the three of us, me and the two guitar players, um, in Huntington beach, right down the street from the coast, really. And yeah, the rest is kind of like history. Yeah. So you met, uh, Wes first and you, and yeah, well, what was going on was, um, there was a, cl- a metal club called Jezebel's. Um, I, I believe it was in Anaheim and, uh, I had a band called like live urban sex tribe and he, what are you doing? yeah, yeah. And he had a band too, that was called, um, oh my goodness. smile or liquid tree or something. What are you guys doing? <laughs> Dude, it was the, it was the late eighties, early nineties. So, you know, it was like. Uh, Red Hot wow. Chili Peppers inspired name, right? Four words for one band type of thing. I was huge Chili Peppers fan at the time. And music was just wow. was kind of changing, you know. Where, um, uh, the, the lines were getting more blurred. Because, you know, I was a kid who would, like, go to try out for metal bands in Cali and get there, and dudes w- would have their long, flowing hair, and I would have my nappy afro. And these guys would be so honest to be like, wow, what a great voice you have, but that is not the look we're going for. Really? Yeah, 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 several times. So um, then it seemed to kind of start changing a little, you know, when uh, grunge and and, and and that movement came out, it seemed like more of a blending, um, you know, of the styles where it kind of been purist for such a long time, I felt like, you know. Mm. Growing up definitely in the late 70s and 80s, hard rock always felt like more of a, a wasp, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant type of thing, right? Sure. Um, at, at least from where I was, from my perspective. And... Um, I think the research would bear that out, right? Mm-hmm. You weren't see many people of color. Uh, see, of course, Hispanics in different metal bands, right? Because they had the hair to match. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't see many uh, people of color really in metal bands. Or Once in a while, you'd see a black uh, bass player or something. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. No, true. No, true. We're playing at Jezebel's, and I had a band, and um, Wes had a band. And then we're just, I don't know how, but we were just kind of, we should kind of bring our bands together, you know? So I brought my bass player and he brought um, his drummer, which was BC. Mm -hmm. And then we got this guy, Chad, who was in the band um, Razzle, which uh, ended up being that band. uh, What's it called? uh, Razzle, but it ended up being that band that, 
Lit. You really? remember? You know that band Lit? Of course. Okay, well, I used to watch those kids when they were like glam, a glam band called Razzle. And they were all like teenagers and they were huge. Like their whole high school would go to, to uh, Gazari's on the strip and just sell that place out. Anyway, so then we grabbed one of the kids in that band into head PE, Chad. Um, but then, and then they went on to be uh, Lit, very successful. I was roommates with Lit's um, drummer, rest in peace, Alan, who died of some brain cancer or something. Oh, yeah, there they are, dude. What a trip. Razzle. Dude, there's Alan. Well, you're freaking me out. There's Alan on the right there. That that's that was my roommate in Huntington. Well, I think that was actually uh, so, Seal Beach. So, and then the guy on the far right. Oh wow! I just, oh my god, I'm tripping out. <laughs> Chad on the far right. I just saw his mom last night, and I hadn't seen her in 13 years. We gave the biggest years. hugs. And um, wow, yeah, yeah. So so they, <laughs> so they they look glam, but like but 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 different though. Um. Yeah, that picture's a bit different look, when you'd go, look, but when you'd go to look the at that cover, yeah, That's dude, sick. that brings me way back. That's sick. What year is this? That's got to be like '88 or something. But don't mm. quote me on these dates, dude. Yeah. Cause and when did uh, when did Chad come in? Chad came in the band. He was a, a, one of the original members. Yes. We grabbed him immediately. Um, I'm not sure why he left that band or why you know parties felt it who knows yeah, yeah. i mean um the, and lit like the two guys are brothers the singer and the guitar player um but mm. yeah what a, oh dude i'm just having all I these memories right now i 88 huh oh i was right yeah you're right <laughs> wow. oh, yeah dude your brain your brain's working dude <laughs> my goodness excuse me and what was so uh, the the dynamic between uh, Chad and Wes is so what was so unique. Mm. Like it's still like it hasn't really been done at all. Mm. Like mm. Uh, like Chad had like Chad, uh, he had like this Fender Strat tone. Yeah, and you're playing heavy riffs, and then you come in with this gangster rap flows, also screaming, obviously reggae fused in there somewhere. Like what? Well, I was kind of a latecomer to the reggae vibe, you know. Um, I remember when I was like in uh, high school, my friend would be like, you got to check out this Bob Marley and all this. And I was only into metal. And uh, I, I kind of regret that I didn't grasp onto it the first time it was shown mm -hmm. to me, you know. Yeah. Um, it wasn't till years later where DJ Product um, kind of... Uh, introduced me in, in a big way to proper reggae and all that you know mm -hmm. and then i was like it, it liberated me like in a in a religious way you know um mm -hmm. so i tried to put it in the music mm -hmm. so what <laughs> so what years so okay so so you so so you combined the bands and you did the poaching you know yeah I, yeah I, I get it i get it and then uh so uh, what year were, did you start playing shows I think we started playing shows about um, 92, and then we got our made our deal by 96. Yeah, yeah. It happened really quickly, hmm. I'd say. Around Huntington Beach? Yeah. Uh, the band formed, well, like I say, we all moved in together. must have been around 92. 
uh, in Huntington. Um, but we were all SoCal, you know, Orange County guys, you know. Mm-hmm. So it didn't take much to just kind of move down the street. Uh, you know, and I went. I grew up in Fullerton and went to Buena Park High School. And uh, whenever we went to the beach, us Buena Parkians, we'd go to to Huntington. Mm. So I don't know. It's just because it's just right down Beach Boulevard, True. right? Bam. Yeah. You're just there. <laughs> yeah. So, and there's a pier and everything. So it was the place to be. And uh, Huntington Beach during that time was, that was like such a crazy time for music. Insane. Because I know the uh, corn guys were, were there around, around, around <clears throat> the same time. Yeah. So, so like, well, seeing corn really changed my whole perspective on music, right? So, um, Wes told me, he goes, I, I really, we need to go, I need to uh, take you to a corn show, right? Um, and so uh, first time I went, I couldn't get in, it was sold out. Next time we went, yeah, it was like corn, the Deftones, uh, a 311, fucking Sugar Ray, all on the same One bill, same nobody bill. signed yet, you know? <laughs> $2 tickets. Yeah, just completely sold out. Nobody signed yet. And it was a big scene, though. It was very interesting because between the metal bands, they would play only um, uh, like 70s funk and disco, which I still do to this day when it's my show because I love Mm -hmm. that. And um, it was such a scene in Huntington, bro. Very, very drug fueled, you know. Yeah. Um, Everybody was kind of doing the same thing, but... um, and then I saw Corn, and I, I do admit, like, that really made me go, whoa, you know, in the same way that Nirvana did or whatever, just kind of made me rethink heavy music, you know? Really? Because, you know, I grew up in the um, hair metal days, so when I was a teenager, I just loved, you know, Motley Crue, Rat, um, you know, um, Queensryche, you know, all those Iron Maiden, you know, Foreigner, you know, pre-MTV fucking metal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and um, so that, but you know, I was always one though to kind of uh, evolve with wherever metal was going next. And I'd have friends that would be like, didn't didn't like the new thing, whatever that was, right? Because mm-hmm. me- hair metal itself was such a long uh, window there where it was the thing, and then it, and then you know the grunge came in with the um, you know Pearl Jam and Nirvana and fucking all that shit, which kind of like got rid of, of hair metal, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you want to call it, you know, but that seemed to be like my opening was coming when, you know, you had like, uh, uh, red hot chili peppers doing their thing. Right. And they mm-hmm. were like getting produced by Rick Rubin and Rick Rubin's down with this. So I, on mushrooms, I went to a <laughs> fucking show with Wes where I saw, um, uh, uh, Rage Against the Machine was headlining, and it was Rage, Beastie Boys, Cypress Hill, and X, which is an L.A. punk band, right? X-Scene? Mm-hmm. And that just made me go, oh, that's, this is what I want to do. This, meaning all of this. You know, I want to mm-hmm. rock like Rage. I want to rap like, like fucking Cypress. I want to get down like the Beasties and be punk like X. I was just like, I want Whoa. all of it. <laughs> Yeah. Like kind of especially I can only imagine like you're <laughs> like that how you're taking the music when you're on mushrooms. Yeah, I can't do them at all anymore, no. you know, but as a teenager I <laughs> I dabbled in it, you know, or I wasn't a teenager then, but definitely during that time of my life I was would experiment with psychedelics, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that that night was un- is unforgettable to this day, you know. To this day. 
Wow. It, it, isn't it kind of a trip? What a massive influence that Rage Against Machine. Whoa. He just had the flyer up for go that back damn here. show. Is, is this it? That's the show, dude. This is the show that you're on Mushrooms on. Dude, look. Beasties act Cypress Hill Rage. That's what I said. That was a show, dude. <laughs> it was so amazing, dude. What, what's the venue? I was in the pit. It was like out, <laughs> it was outdoors. Oh, outdoors? Yeah. The Velodrome. Velodrome, what's that? This is, this is the outdoor part. Of that right. was the one and only time I went to huh. that to that venue. It was outdoors. It was amazing. It seems like Rage was big right out of the gates. Am I am I wrong, dude? I, I just remember the first time. I mean, I was like going to a show of my own, like at the Whiskey or the Roxy, and I fucking excuse me. I heard Rage on the radio and immediately was like, "Whoa, what is that? That sounds amazing!" Like. Yeah, so you know they did the major label thing. I'm sure they did good mm -hmm. wherever they, whenever they started in their hood. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not a, a, a proper historian on the beginnings, but, um, well, there's the venue right there. Yeah, so good. But but it seemed like it to me, like they came out and were just immediately huge, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like it. Still, I mean, still, I mean, bands still, I guess you say either are inspired by them or imitate it still. Dude, it's that's, only, a, god, only that's a god band, right? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. They yeah. are, they are a god band. Yeah, it's like that's like that's like the North Star. You know, you, you look up like oh, <laughs> I could try to do that. <laughs> right, I'm on mushrooms right now, but I'll try. <laughs> Is this it? Shit. Let's see, April 29th, nineteen ninety four. Wow, Beastie Boys. Holy shit. Are they wearing like UPS? Because uh, when I saw them, yeah, there they are. Look, like wearing like UPS uh, outfits, all brown dickies and shit. That's sick, dude. That is the shit. You guys are your guys are on top of their shit, dude. They are wow. great, great team here. Yeah. What was Beastie Boys like live? Amazing. Like we have no idea, man. I had no idea. Like, of course, you know. Uh, as old as I am, when uh, License to Ill came out, I fucking loved it. Yeah. I listened to it all the time. But then flashback, you know, 15 years later, I'm fi I finally seeing them live and was so impressed by it. Mm -hmm. It was just so good. So you see the show. You're coming down from, from the Mushrooms. Uh, so at what point did you actually start, okay, like now, you, now the five of you or six are now we're going to get into a room. Uh, that what a good question. That, that must have sounded terrible because you put so many things in at once. What a good and, question. And you're and you're a brand new band. Well, I'll tell you the way that the band worked wasn't like a jam band. Like, oh, let's jam and see what works. It was yeah. more like Wes writing songs. Oh, and then on on then when we were living together, he would be more like, listen to this riff. And then I'd be like, oh, but we'd collab on a riff that he was doing, let's say, you know, I'd be mm -hmm. like, well, drop that note and repeat it here. And some of the riffs we came up with in that way, you know, where I would just hear a riff and go, what if you played it like this? You know, just back and forth. But mm -hmm. And then we would kind of have like a four track and create whole songs and then bring them to the fellas. You know, so it wasn't just huh. chaos in a room with everybody just blah, 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 blah. No, it was Wes and I writing songs and then bringing them to the fellas. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Yeah. So he's so so you're telling him, hey, play this riff more, take out the, this note, and then what? So then you put. 
So what were you putting on the four track? Just uh, like, okay. Well, we would like uh, use a drum machine on one track. A drum machine? Yeah, wow. dude. Just to kind of get it down. Um, but then again, you know, we do we do real drums and have it on an eight track. You know. Yeah. Uh, but at the very beginning would be like drum machine, bass, uh, uh, um, guitar, and then a vocal, a scratch vocal or whatever. Hmm. You he remember those old four tracks that ran with a cassette? Oh yeah, I don't know if you do, but we were the last <laughs> generation that that had him starting a band in two thousand one. We were the last, I think, kind of. Oh yeah, we're let's let's get a four track. We record a demo. So, yeah, <laughs> right. so I, I, I get it. There it is. <laughs> wow. Yeah, those, that that is the one I have. It's a four track, dude. <laughs> oh my god. The way dude. the way artists record demos these days, you'll you'll. Oh, it's just it's crazy you, the power is really in the artist's hand now more mm -hmm. than ever mm -hmm. you can do everything well you can do so much yourself that looks like the one right there dude. The, there it is. is that it yeah yeah that really looks like it dude. that might be the actual one yeah the Foztex. but <laughs> but coming from someone like like you jared that has experience and lived uh writing your own music and making a career out of it and it's different and your own thing. Do you find that like when you take away things that actually makes you more creative? And, what, and when you say take away things, do you mean so, uh, okay, so, gear? So you have, you, you have a four track and that's how we're going to write songs. We don't, we don't have a laptop and like, you know, 20 tracks and we're going <laughs> to, you know. Well, here's the thing. It's interesting. It's a, it might be not the answer to your exact question, but okay. So like when Head PE started out, it was very like, lots of shit going on you know like yeah. wes is doing one thing chad's doing another thing the dj's doing another thing and it was cool we called it trip hop and at the time it was good but after a while i really just wanted something that was more kind of straight ahead and mm -hmm. simplified and just bare bones songwriting with mm -hmm. with like you know like I don't know, when I just started more getting into punk and The Clash and Minor Threat and after mm -hmm. our first three albums came out, I was like, I want more stripped down stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, but in terms of like what you're saying is like, you know, technology can be like um, a blessing and a curse, right? Because if you're just yep. using it to do too much, then it's too much, right? Yeah. I'm really a believer in like, it's the notes you don't play. You know, mm -hmm. and, and it's the space you leave. And as an artist, you have to know when to be done with the piece mm -hmm. and stop adding to it. Yeah. Because I've seen artists who was like, their piece looks great, but then they just keep adding, just keep adding. And I'm like, oh, I liked it a couple days ago, you know? Uh, so I, I find the same thing can be true with music, with my music. Mm -hmm. so, so allowing some, uh, some space. Yeah. And some simplicity there. Mm-hmm. It's funny because your your brain always wants to put more. It's always like, it's, 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 it comes in and fucks it up, you know? Doesn't it? It's just, but, oh, man, it's, it's, it's a lifelong journey. It's telling, telling their brain to shut up still, dude. It's a lifelong, you know? Okay, okay, so so okay, so okay, now you have 10 songs on your four track. So, so, there, so you have, like, intros, uh, verses, choruses, and the... The, the drum machine, the scratch vocal, and you're just bringing it to the band, and mm -hmm. then and then you're jamming it live, right? In like in like a, in a, in a, sh in a sh shitty garage, I, I imagine. Right, you know, back then we'd had a rehearsal studio, and mm -hmm. um, you know, f we bring it to the band, and then um, 
then it takes on its own sort of life as well, right? Of after, course. Ap, of course. After you bring them a demo and the band's actually playing it, it does its own thing. And then uh, were you letting other members kind of have some kind of say? Like, well, you know, Chad comes, hey, maybe don't do that. We have like, a rip to add to that. Was it like what well, this is? Definitely musically. Um, lyrically and melodically, I would say would be the... I never, I didn't get much input for that. Although, when we first started, I worked with Wes a lot on theories of writing, you know, and vocals, mm -hmm. and and uh, he taught me a lot about that. Like, make your <laughs> silly shit right. Like that sounds silly now. Like your second verse should sound like the first. Mm. <laughs> you know, where I just yeah. be all chaotic, like coming in with a, a second verse that doesn't really reflect the first you know yeah so like he, i remember him kind of t telling me that i was like oh yeah you're right you know i was not dude i'll tell you what like some guys are just naturally good songwriters i wish i would have went to school or something but I, I i don't uh very chaotic songwriting for my first few records i just didn't know what i was doing um mm. in terms of like verse chorus verse chorus bridge blah 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 you know it's just all just like Wah! you know for for being the kind of band that you were, like it's probably just out of control, out of the gates. You, you there was still like some discipline there. That's kind of, kind of insane. I guess if you say so, because when I hear it, it kind of makes me cringe. Like, whoa, what were you doing? Does it? Yeah, a little bit. The early stuff, it just sounds so chaotic to me. Um, but hey, if people like it. That's the last word on it, you know. Man, so it may. Oh, that's so that's so bizarre to hear. Huh. Yeah. I, 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 I would expect maybe, well, I, sh I shouldn't expect, but yeah, I was like, me, oh, you know, I'm, pr I'm proud of those records. They sound, they sound great. They, they, they were great. <laughs> I'm one of these self-loathing uh, yeah. artists mm -hmm. where just like, don't get me wrong, uh, uh, every once in a while I'll create something and be like, it'll bring me to tears because it'll tap into some true emotion that I have or something. Mm -hmm. But most of the time I'm like, Oh, what was I thinking when I wrote that? Or what was I thinking when I performed, when I recorded that, mm -hmm. you know, just, that's just me. Hmm. Oh, where, since when, when did the uh, legal issue come up with the band name? Like how, how did that even come up? Oh, just dude, right after we signed the first, uh, right after we signed that first record deal where we were just had, the legal department was like, can't be head. There's already a head. And we tried to buy the name and we can't. Mm. And so then we added PE because of some books and shit that I was reading at the time. Um, and uh, <laughs> what, 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 real quick, what, what were you reading? <laughs> Planet Earth. Okay. okay. I, I, I was, only the, the original PE stood for planetary evolution. Okay. Right, so I was reading channeled books from the Pleiadians. Excuse me? <laughs> Can we somehow get that okay. on the screen? Okay, so. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know what you just said. Okay, there it is right there. Too. Do we find, we, what is. Yeah, so just to really. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Well, the Pleiadians are some off-world, you know, uh, <laughs> the intelligence. <laughs> Barbara Marciniak, oh, my God, I read all of her books. Anyway, really? Okay. Uh, wow, it's kind of weird for me to, because I'm really not that, I'm not a mystical guy anymore. Sure. It's not that I don't believe that crazy shit goes on in the world, but 
there was a time in my life where everything was a conspiracy and you know um everything was super magical i'm mm -hmm. super jaded now to where i i just i don't believe like that anymore sure. um but uh you know so the earth you see that book earth there with the egg and the earth yeah. in it that's the book that that um brought around the the pe okay. earth and, it, and it's planetary earth. evolution which means the planet is a living being and she evolves Okay. Right. And we as the children on the planet have no choice but to kind of evolve with her. That was just the kind of the, you know, grand scheme of what they were talking about. Hmm. Um, and that's where planetary evolution came from. You know, we're evolving as a planet, you know, less slavery, hmm. less war, less violence, less hatred, moving towards a, a, a better uh, destination. Man, that this is a very well thought. This is by far the most well thought out band name I've ever heard. <laughs> well, the original name Head was from a song I wrote called Heavy Head, where because um, I I battle with depression and and a lot of this goes on, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like Wes yeah. used to see me, and it's like it just looks like your head is so heavy, and he's like, "That's a good name for your band, Heavy Head." Then he's like, "How about just Head?" And then that was that. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> That is insane. Yeah. Because I, I heard that it would stand for a higher education. No, that's something someone made up after the <laughs> fact. Yeah, yeah. Of course it's not true. No. It's just a, it's just a, a funny joke. <laughs> and then you reading some insane books. Yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, yeah, you're, this is, let's say, 93-ish. So, I mean, you're, what, early 20s? Reading this shit? Oh, um, you know, when the band got signed, I was 32. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, like, the band got together. I was, like, 29 or something. Wow, yeah. really? I didn't know that. My guys, though, were all, like, in their mid-20s and early 20s, the rest of the band. Yeah, I was hmm. an old guy in the band. And you were still a maniac. I'm still doing my thing, you yeah. know? Like, in my band now, all my guys are, like, uh, for, uh, they're all turning 40. I'm turning 60, so, but this is what I do, you know? This is your life, man. I rock. I'm ready to rock. <laughs> I, I was watching um I was watching the Going for Broke doc that mm. uh that Chad and you helped put put together mm. and I don't think people realize how insane your band was. You were on complete fucking fire. Mm. I was just watching like the, like the live shows getting goosebumps in my bed. Just mm. like watching I'm like, damn, these guys were going nuts. I see this this understanding like the mm. di the dynamics between personalities with, with, with band members. I could just assume, like, okay, um, Jared's probably out of his fucking mind. Chad for sure is out of his fucking mind. He's a rhythm, he's, <laughs> he's a rhythm guitar player, <laughs> and he's playing a strat and drop mm. a. Yeah, yeah, he's he's fucking crazy. And, mm -hmm. and then uh, and, uh, <laughs> and and West like those extreme personalities. But man, this made like the sickest tunes and live it is. It's 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 a it's a very rare dynamic that you don't see much uh, today. So it's, it's just really cool to see it. And but 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 Jared, you you lived it, dude. How yeah, as you're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, because I don't think about it much. I'm not sure if you relate to it, but when you're just constantly grinding, there's yeah. not much time for reflection, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool that Chad kept all his footage. <laughs> he just kept all the footage. Right, years dude. later. 
Yeah, because I'm the there's Chester. I'm the opposite of that, right? Like that um, that is Chester, huh? I was like, yeah. oh, I was like, is that Chester? Yeah. yeah, because this is footage from us on tour with them. My goodness, who's playing guitar here? I'm like a product. I wasn't really sure who that guy was. It's like the I bass don't player. I think for that's Link my Park. guy. I look like the bass player for. <laughs> Chad, with, I, I didn't even realize. Who Chad is was, that guy, Jared? Chad was filming back in the day. No. No, so like when I see all this, it's so great because I didn't even realize he was like had a camera with him. It's so rare that a band has a camera, right? Like that is, and, and now going. it's not rare at all, though, is it? No, but back then, yeah, genius, dude. Did like did some of your guys get pissed off? Like, why why do you have this fucking camera, dude? Get it, get it out, <laughs> out of my face. I don't remember ever getting pissed. Really? No. Sick. Chad was so cool, dude. I don't remember ever really getting pissed at Chad, dude. <laughs> so so your relationship was pretty sick. Yeah, he and I were just always got along, dude. Just just your music chemistry. You guys are on fire, dude. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. The heyday. This looks like uh this looks like I got dates right here. This looks, that looks like a ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. Those 98 tour buses are, are, are a different build. <laughs> Man. Damn, dude. That's yeah. Sick. That guy looks out of his mind. The memories. <laughs> the trip, watching it. So it looks like you had a, I mean, obviously, a crazy tour cycle. What, like, when Like when did you get, get, get together? Okay, now we're going to write our se second record, Broke. Like, 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 what was that process like? Yeah, so, you know, Broke was produced by Machine, who went on to, like, do all Lamb of God's records, right? Um, so that was interesting, because that was our first time working in the digital world, mm. you know, where, where before everything was uh, tape, you know? And Machine, like, he came from the hip-hop world and then entered into the rock world, but what he would do was we would create loops with Machine, you know, um... Th that was the first record where, dude, we would just take a chorus and then we would find the, the most the most tightest loop of the chorus and th and then that would be the chorus and just copy it. That mm. was the first time we ever did that shit, you know. Or here's a dope verse, copy it. Not like, hey, let's play all through the song like a real band. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Machine brought that to us where it was like cut and paste, um, and that really. But that really gave, like, a, um, in my opinion, a hypnotic effect to the loops and stuff because they were just like dance music, you know, just yeah. always the same, just hitting you constantly right on point. Hmm. But, um, yeah, so, you know, Broke, we did the first record, and it was five years between the first and second record. Mm -hmm. We were kind of all salty about it, and we were broke, you mm -hmm. know. We signed a million-dollar record deal, and the money had run out, and... Um, so here we are back in Huntington and um, working on some new shit. Of course, in those days, I used to write a lot of lyrics on the road, too. Um, so How did you find time for that? I don't know, dude. I would just come up. <laughs> I would just come up with shit. At the same time, when I'm thinking of broke, there was a lot of instances where I would uh, write the song the night before. 
Really? Was, yeah, so it was like, but there was some shit I had from the road. And then, but when I'd hear how they crafted the track, then sometimes I'd have to do a rewrite and I would just like sit in the hotel in Jersey, which is where we recorded Broke, and just um, write the song the night before I was going to record, you know, because I had the freshest um, music of, of what was done, you know, and just vibe to that. Hmm. Was there was there any pressure with that at all? There no? was no pressure on Broke. The pressure came on the next record, which where we where we all kind of fell apart yeah. because uh, the label, the guy who signed us left, and so my new A and R guy, I didn't get along with him at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think he even liked Ted PE, and that so sucks. he would come to my hotel room every night and go over word for word what my lyrics were and be like, no. I don't, I don't get this. This doesn't make sense. Oh, that. no, yeah, dude. It was hideous. Oh, that's nightmare. Right. So that's that was the third record, and then you know we left that label. So it sounds like you guys were all in like a, a good headspace with the with broke. Yeah, that was kind of before you know, obviously or not so obvious. I had a falling out with Wes after broke, mm-hmm. um, and then I guess that turned into a falling out with uh, with uh, the drummer as well. They mm-hmm. kind of connected, but not mm-hmm. really. But kind of a yeah, you know, it's that same old cliched story of a band that somehow doesn't get along, you know, when yeah. they're on the right path, you know. What were the what were the similarities between you and uh Wes with the four track and then <laughs> to the second record? Are you guys still making full and then Okay. Yeah, we were still working really tight uh on the second record just mm. like oh man we were like, we were working, we had come up, right? The label had bought us like a digital multi-recorder. I think it was like 16 track. And 16 we would, tracks? Oh, uh, yeah, you, bro. You guys made it. <laughs> <laughs> and we would hang out all the time. And um, that's that's what brought Broke together. In, hmm. in contrast to after that, then I couldn't, I couldn't get him in the room with me at all. He was having problems um whatever we were both having problems like so for the third record it's like we were never in the same room at the same time mm. it was Fuck. gnarly dude yeah it's always unfortunate man yeah it is but so what what were you thinking like when like when you hear that the riff for like bartender or like killing time like what were you, <laughs> what like what were you feeling and thinking <laughs> okay well bartender is like that one you know, there's a there's a kid, a guy by the name of Brian, mm-hmm. who um, was in a band with Jonathan Davis before Corn, like, and it was called like Sex Cult, Art, Sex Art Cult, or Sex Art, Sex right. Art, yeah. yeah. And so this kid was his name was Brian, or no, was it Dennis the Menace? That was his name, Dennis. Okay, so he was a bass player and with Jonathan Davis. Um, when I was writing Bartender, Dennis would come down to the studio and he gave me some really good tips. Really? Yeah, yeah. He'd be like, you need to, you need to get into the hook quick or your verse is too long or do oh. this here. So I just bring that up because it's like, it's like yesterday when I remember Bartender was done musically and I'm just sitting in the studio working on the vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? It was kind of effortless you know, in hmm. terms of just kind of came out and had a certain vibe. And, you know, it was just a song about me clubbing, which is what I was doing at the time, you know. Uh, 
And so that that whole record just came together pretty effortlessly, in my opinion. Hmm. You know, me and Wes working on tracks, getting a whole demo, then going to Jersey, recording those demos with the band, doing the vocals, just psh, no, no worries. You sound like a, a dude that just doesn't second guess himself. Me? Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm the opposite, man. Like, I will have like five different versions of vocals to the same song. Really? Yes. I will like do th three versions and trash them all because I'm like, don't like. I, I think they're great when I go to sleep and wake up and go, what? What the fuck? Oh shoot! So so maybe like a so let's for example like 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 a bartender that you're writing the night before and that could be like a four or five. <laughs> no, okay, so okay, I I take it back though. In those days, I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. In those days, I kind of went with the first thing. Okay. Now that I'm a geezer, I'm like constantly questioning everything I do. You know, is isn't that weird with age? You get older. And even though you had success in your past, you second guess yourself more when you're older. Why is that? I can only think that's because you know more. And so, well, you know more. And so you're holding yourself to a higher standard. Yeah. It's so fucked up. And your standards change too, right? Like there's things I've said on past records that are popular that make me go, oh my God, how could you say that shit? You know, but I was a younger and different time of my life, you know. That is bizarre. It's just weird, like, it's just, there's a magic in just not knowing, you know? Do, 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 do you ever, like, look back? Because I, I personally do this, and I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. but I was like, man, man, how, how, did, how did I do that? How, how, do I, how do I get back to that? Doing that, like, that first thing that like, <laughs> flows out. You know, you're not thinking. You're like, that's sick. It's done. It's, it's on a record. The whole world could hear it. And then now when you're older, I, I consciously try to sit there, dude, and do that. And I can't. You do? Wow. Well, that's a great good. question. And, like, for me, there's, like, parts of my vocal cords that don't even, I can't even do what I did. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's just from so many shows my voice doesn't even work that way. Like mm -hmm. some kind of like a Getty Lee clean high voice. I can't do that anymore. Yeah. My voice is like fucking Rod Stewart now, yeah. you know? Um, but um, I prefer what I do now to what I did back then. Um, mm -hmm. As a, a, lyrically, vocally, just, I just prefer the vibes that I'm catching on the mic now beyond back then, even though obviously my fans love the, the early shit, you know, mm -hmm. but um, that may be, you know, because the new shit doesn't have all the money behind it that the old shit had, you know, in terms of getting it out in front of people and making it popular. But um, I don't know, man. I was I was listening to it to detox. Pretty sick. It, it felt like felt like as a fan. Oh, wait, they're they're like it's like it's, it sounds like them. It's awesome. Yeah, and I would agree. And that like the label that I work with, they haven't. They're they said the same thing. Mm -hmm. They haven't said that in like you know twelve years. So that's great. Let's see what happens. It sounds like you were struggling from the uh, bottle of wine at night during COVID. I, oh. I think I think we all were. Okay, good. That makes me feel a little better. <laughs> no, dude. There's like some deep addictions that that came back, or like not addictions, but like the uh, years of touring full time. Years, because there's a point. When I'm 27. I I I cut back on the blackout drunk stuff, mm. and but COVID happened. I'm 35, and yeah. you know, I the thoughts came back. It was so. I'm like, years. I felt good. 
And for some reason, the thoughts came back. Oh, it's Monday. Shit, yeah, but you know, have 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 some drinks Tuesday. And I was like, it doesn't go away, dude. I thought I had a shit on lock. No, you're so right. It's fucked up. You're so right. It's a slippery slope. It just does not go away. Um, yeah. So, like I said, uh, lifelong battles with substance abuse. Um, we're at my age, you know, I'm doing good and, and have been for a while, but, um, man, especially through the early touring days, it was gnarly and I'm still recovering from COVID in terms of, uh, my business and my, the music business. It really, it really hurt us. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it was COVID that allowed me to be home for a while and, and conceive of my newest, my new daughter, you know? Mm. So there's this weird <laughs> dichotomy of, oh, it was hideous and yet the greatest thing ever, you yeah. know, because I have my little princess now, so. Congrats, man. Thank you. And so it, so literally it was a detox, quite, quite literally. Dude, I, I went straight edge for a while there because mm. um, when I was trying to finish the record, I just fucking couldn't. I, I you know, dude, eh. I, 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 um, I'm reluctant to talk about some things cause now I have a teenager, right. Mm -hmm. And him and his friends find, they'll find my, uh, they'll find my interviews and, uh -oh. and whatever. So I, I can't be a hundred percent candid, but I can say that there was, uh, things going on during COVID, uh, chemically and mentally for me where I, I couldn't finish the record. So I had to go straight edge and just dry up and then bam, I was just killing it, you know? Hmm. <laughs> is there is there something to that? Like, because I always kind of always struggled to, to realize. Because I I look back, um, let's say for example, like your first record or broke. Like, I'm always curious on. There's only thing. There's things that we see. We see the outside. Okay, they're a band. Fucking, they're partying. They're writing records. Or they're they're, they're they're living the dream. Yeah. But I'm like, but wait, what's the order? Are they fucking chilling? at home sober for an hour to finish the song and then when they're done the song then they fucking rage that's very interesting you know or or <laughs> are, are they actually getting fucked up during the like, like the songwriting process well dude well here's the thing and i haven't thought about this in years but at, during the broke years and all that it was partying and creating at the same time really yeah partying hard on substances and and uh and just living your life that way. And so if that's how it is every day, all day, then the music is right with it, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, Oof. cause you started, I mean, you started drinking when you were 15, correct? Yes, I got drunk the first time at 15. 15, wow. Throwing up drunk, yeah. Whoa. What was your first drink? A bunch of beers and tequila. You went A straight A bunch in. of beers and tequila. It's funny, cause I had an older friend who just kinda let me do my thing that night. And man, yeah. So, wow. Cause he, I mean, Jared, I mean, yeah, you come from a different era. I don't, I don't think I, cause, we're, <laughs> because, cause we're, uh, we're kind of like the era after, if not, you can even say the after, after. Mm. And when I meet people like, like you, I mean, it's just like, we're just, it's just, you were in such a different playing field. It's not, mm. you, it's not even the same sport. I remember I was, I won't say it was banned cause I feel, I feel, I feel gaudy for, Saying, saying his name, but I was hanging out with a a, a, a band member that I've admired my whole life. I, yeah. I, I love him. Uh, uh, we're getting drunk, and and then we got woke up, hungover. He was he was fine, and I go over to his band, and the drummer says to me, "Oh yeah, this was like '90s. You you will be you will be missing." And, and 
it, it, it was a joke, but I got him. Like, you know what? I cannot hang with you guys, and I know like this. There, there was a different time where to me, to, to me, partying was a certain thing. But I like <laughs> your air was like man. That, but it had to help create that that music that, that so many people love. You know who? You have to be right. It was just part of the part of the recipe. It was one of the ingredients. You know, it's like you kind of have to be out of control, and then you write like the a no no rules music that really resonates with people. And I just don't think people realize that it takes like personalities to write the music that you love. So when you're so when you're at home and you're fucking bummed out, you put on you know bartender and you feel good. You, you need those like over the top personalities to do it. You know, <laughs> such a different era, like you're saying, dude. Um. Yeah, I mean, God, dude. Even like technology-wise, like where everything was with tape, and uh, you know, it's almost unrecognizable. You know what's going on now with music. Like when we first did that record, broke. They had to, you know, rent a box truck to get all the tape to to get it to mix. Right <laughs> now, you put your master in your backpack. You know. They, wait, you got a box truck to take the just, tape? Yeah, all the tape, just three-inch tape, and you're running like, you know, uh, what was it? A couple machines, 48 tracks, or is that what it is? I don't know, but it's just a room full of tape to represent the record, yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. You, took, you got a box truck to take the record <laughs> somewhere to get mixed. Yes. I don't think people can even fathom that. I remember looking at it, yeah. Oh my! Oh, you. So it's just a, a ton of tape, and then yeah, and that I don't know why that I thought of that because we were talking about drugs and all that, but I'm just like everything is just so different, you know. What a time! But you know what? This sounds way more fun. Yeah, but then again, like <laughs> look at these rappers, um, like, uh, and they're like dr doing the lean or whatever that is, and. Look at how like how many have died, like Little Peep and Juice World, and uh, you know, it, you know what I mean. So they're these yeah. kids are into their own abuse, you know. Yeah, I was just uh, talking to a a, a a neighbor here. Like he's he's a uh, he's older. He's like, man, yeah, back in the nineties when you went, when we when you walk around SoCal, if you found a baggie in nineties, you could pick it up and do it, and yeah. and and you're fine. Today, you cannot do that. <laughs> It's like, if people like, am I, I, I will never understand that. Never. <laughs> well, dude, yeah, you brought that up. But dude, um, going on Sunset Strip in the hair metal days was, you would just have somebody walking by going, acid, acid, acid. Like the whole, the whole Sunset Strip was just whatever you wanted it to be. Jeez. You know, everything you wanted was just right there. I never done acid, but it's on, it's on my to-do list. <laughs> yeah, you know, as a kid, I did so much of the psychedelics, but I could, I could never do it. Now it would put me in the loony bin. Really? Yeah, dude, it's too much. The thing that about psychedelics that kind of, me, oh my, okay, oh shit, is there like I just don't know. I know there is, there's a line that that you that you can't cross. So you mm. you can't do it too much, but but or too little because because you because you want the experience, but you don't want to lose yourself. And 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 you see it in people that that did too much of it. And it's weird. Oh yeah, I've seen it. 
I, I mean, in the 80s, I had a friend in high school who went to see Black Sabbath on acid and was, ne <laughs> was never the same. What? He never came back. He never came back. Never fucking came back. And I have Fuck. another friend, too, who does, does, did DMT too much, and he's also different forever. I've seen of several friends Fuck. who, because of drugs, are not who they used to be. Mm. You know, um, And that's the thing with acid, dude. It's such a commitment, like... Dude, what? I'm going to be high now for 18 hours? No, thank you. It's a big commitment. <laughs> that, 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 that is a big commitment. Yeah. Jeez, Louise, dude. Wow. Well, I mean, it, given the life that, that you lived, it's, it's just bizarre that you're fine. It's just so weird how you, how you, you could live a certain life, you're fine, uh, but, but you're hanging out with, you know, Lynn Strait, and he gets in a car accident. You know, right. it's just like, it's like, what? It just makes you think, like, why? Yeah, like, even from my era, you've got Lynn Strait, you've got Dave from Drowning Pool. Who else? Like, I had a friend named Chinstrap who died. Who, like, I feel like, yeah, there's people who just didn't make it through. Um, and what I'm, my feeling is that a lot of these people, they're, they uh, OD by mistake. Cause, you know, I've been there where you're like, you know, you've, you, um, you've taken some pills and you forgot you took them. So you take more and then next thing you know, you're dead. So it's just like, uh, it's, it's sad and it's dangerous. Well, man, I, I, what, what do you call that luck? Dude, for me, like a lot of times I, I think I'm lucky I'm not in prison. I never, <laughs> go, I you? never, <laughs> yeah, I, I never go to the, I'm lucky I'm not dead, but really I am that too, you know? Yeah, you didn't you didn't lose your your mind, right? So it's and it's so easy too. So easy, you just make a mistake by taking too much of something, and boom, my goodness. dude. Yeah, I was watching some true crime thing on uh -oh. some guy who took too much mushrooms and then goes out and murders his dad and stepmom, and it's like then he's gonna come down and be like, uh oh, you know. But anyway, that's a that's an extreme you sure. know situation. But dude, drugs. <laughs> it's dark as fuck. I would think like. Mushrooms will make you like, oh, you know what? I love my mom and dad. Holy right. fuck. Right. But dude, it's that notorious bad trip that, I mean, having the bad trips, like, and I've had them where it's all rainbows and unicorns for a couple hours, and then all of a sudden, it's what you're saying, like, the sun gets covered by clouds, and then you're just, every bad thing in the world is all you can think of. That's it. And you're just, you're just there. You know? Bad trip, yeah. Do you think a bad trip is is uh, you not let letting go of something? Huh. Maybe you know because I, that's why I I like I said I can't trip anymore because I've got too many things worrying me. You know, especially now when we have two kids, I go imagine, dude. Yeah, I dude. Imagine what what was it like doing that straight up record? Huh. That was interesting. Did you get like? Did you, did you get a phone call or what? Well, you know, I was kind of tight with the um, with the snot guys, and then I got the call from Mikey Dolan to to do it, uh, product and I. So then we just went down to a studio in L.A. and um, and blasted it out in one night, the vocals and the DJ. But it was at a time where I was a bit salty about my career. I, I do remember that. Really? Yeah, I was I was not happy with the label. Because, dude, you got to understand, like, after Broke came out, uh, the, the general consensus from, like, um, 
Okay, so, you know, Chester from Lincoln Park was like, your fucking label sucks. You guys should be way more successful. Mm-hmm. I want you to come to my label, and and I'm going to make sure that this happens, right? So my mm-hmm. label was like, fuck you, Chester. We're going to keep head PE. I get a phone call from uh, Jonathan Davis. Hey, man, we really want to help you guys. I really, I really want to help you guys, man. I, I just really feel like, quote, unquote, you guys should be big like Limp Biscuit right now. He probably said bigger. And I, I'm telling the story because I rarely do podcasts anyway. But I'm telling you why I was salty at the time. Because I had these people like Jonathan Davis and Chester telling me, you should be much bigger, you know. Yeah. So, of course, I'm like, wow. yeah, yeah, you're right. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so then I'm like mad at my label because they won't let me leave and go with the rock stars. Yeah. You know, who guys who are fucking selling millions who want to help me. And they won't let them do that. So, man, I was in a bad place around that straight up t- um, time right then because of all of that that was going on. But Yeah, because people don't realize that, you know, maybe, I mean, you could maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like that was like the biggest mistake of your career where you signed to a record label that really just, there is just too much money involved. It was their, we were their first rock band, though. It was mm. Jive Records. They had Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys and Spice One, who was, you know, they had some gangster and uh, Too Short, you know. Okay. That was their biggest. They had no rock experience at all. So they were oh. cutting their teeth with head PE. Oh, no. You know, and we had offers from uh, Sony and Columbia and Warner Brothers, you know, that would have been a better fit. But um, Jive, uh, our manager, at the time, rest in peace, just took whoever offered the most money, mm. which was oh. Jive. So oh it was a mistake. God. Oh, my God. It was a mistake, yeah. A, a, lot, a lot of those times, it's like when, like the bigger money offer is actually the worst one. And that was the case. Oh, Jerry, right. I'm so sorry, dude. I know, because it, it, really, it really wrote the history. It'd be like a, um, a really good quarterback going to a team that, and there's nothing there to support him. There's no line for blocking and no good receivers. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this really good quarterback is just... You know, oh, no. That's the that's the metaphor I like and, to use. And then I, that, that part causes like a, like a lot of friction between you and Wes. And then Chad's like, fuck this, I'm gone. Sure. And just ruins like... Yeah, the morale is low. Right. Right. Morale is low and it takes... It's almost impossible to get out of that hole. Mm. emotionally especially like talking to different human beings with their own lives and their own thoughts and feelings you know yeah, dude. what Wes is going through his own shit Chad's going through his own thing you're going through your own thing trying to deal with what you guys are going through that sucks dude yeah it was a low time it was very low you know it was just, it was kind I was kind of silly about it to the point where when I got off the label I was salty about my hits I was like wanted to, to recreate some kind of uh, career that w- didn't depend on radio or something. I don't know. I was in the weirdest part of my uh, professional life when I left after the third record. Hmm. But you know, full circle. Now I look back and I'm I'm grateful regardless um, because you know uh, Jive Records may have not blown me up to superstar status, but they still planted some seeds and I can still was still able to go to Japan, Europe, Australia or whatever. So mm-hmm. just try to look at the brighter side of things, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you did come out of the other side. Yeah. Just, I mean, through with you, I mean, just brute force. 
Right. It, just it, never stopping, really. just never stopped. Yeah. Even, like, what was going on in your mind where, like, like man, this shit's going, not going well, <laughs> and you, you, you just kept going? <laughs> well, because I found a way to make money with music. And uh, like we were talking about earlier, it's like uh, I'm still struggling to find another revenue stream that isn't music related. And mm. so that's really been what has just pushed me the whole time is like um, trying to make money with what I love doing, which is writing and performing, you know. Mm -hmm. no, there's no righteous... Uh, uh, motivation behind it besides that you know mm -hmm. well jerry is uh it's it's a miracle that you guys are still here you know yeah dude you know what what was it like for you meeting <laughs> conor mcgregor <laughs> that was great dude we were on tour with um alien amp farm and um i had watched conor mcgregor come up you know um from his first fight in the ufc another trippy thing was uh when I went to buy some, like, Conor McGregor merch from Dethroned, I got a letter from a guy who was like, oh, I know you. My brother worked as an engineer recording you guys. And he sent me, like, a box of, like, tons of uh, Conor uh, really? gear. That's sick. That was, like, my whole wardrobe for five years. Yeah. But anyway, so, like, when we were out there with Alien Ant Farm, I was like, oh, I'm going to – I made my driver drive to the fucking gym. Uh, Connor's gym because you guys were in Ireland. Yeah, we're in Ireland, wow. in Dublin. Have a show that night in Dublin. Fuck. So we drove there, and I was in there just hanging out. Met tons of people that um, I idolized. But um, the one guy said, "No, Connor's not coming in today." But I just hung around, and sure enough, I looked over, and there he was, dude. And so I just waited, 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 and then um, met him out in the back in the alley and took a picture, and he was super cool. That's dope. Yeah, yeah, dude, he's very cool, and um. Uh, it, very rare do you get to meet someone you idolize like that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's the... What's, <laughs> that's that's a sick picture. That was dude. right before the Floyd Mayweather and all that. Yes, because I think... I try to look, look at the timeline. I think he, he just fought Nate, Nate Diaz for a second time. And a month later after this picture, I think he was about to fight Eddie Alvarez and become double champ. No, I think you're right, dude. I, either that or it was right before the second Diaz fight. One yeah. or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was like, man, he was a superstar already. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And uh, that's... <laughs> that's funny, dude. <laughs> Look at you, dude. My goodness. That's funny. That's fucking sick. Yeah, He's, he, You know what? And obviously, he gets a lot of flack, but he seems like a cool guy. This is a dude that's just followed his dreams. He and gets flack, but, I mean, not to make excuses for him, but can you imagine you're like 26 and worth half a billion? No. And I would fail. I might self-destruct if it was me, you know. Same. At that age, because I was, like, out of control at 26. Totally. The the little income we got when we were in early 20s, like, we fucking failed, man. <laughs> Universe knows when we, when we can't handle something. It knows. Man, apparently. It'll, apparently. It'll give you, like, a little test. And, like, oh, you fumble it? Like, well, you know, you're not ready. You know, it's... I just saw some content on that. They, instead of the universe, they put in the word God, and it was like, God gives you what you can handle and denies you the things you can, will not be able to handle is kind of what you're mm. saying, you know? Yeah. Although I'm not a, I'm more of an atheist type of guy. Yeah, so you are, you are more like a, toward, towards that, I'm, correct? I'm, I'm an atheist. Oh, okay. I don't believe in some uh, 
I believe that the world's a magical place and that yeah. because of like looking at like um, geometry and sacred geometry, there's some real intelligence woven into the fabric of the universe, you know? Yeah. I just don't believe in like, like some being that's kind of overlooking shit, you know? Got it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> actually, uh, Jared, you are the perfect person to ask this. And this will be one of my, my last questions. But uh, okay. So you are... You're in a band. You have created. Okay. Um, so for someone that leans towards the atheist side, where do you think that comes from? <laughs> well, um, creation, music creation. Where does that come from? Yes. Huh. Well. Like those those worries that like kind of, you know, when this kind of comes out of nowhere? Like, yeah. Um, I think it's one of two things. Either it's just chemicals bouncing around in your brain that just bring about creativity. Yeah. <clears throat> or there may be some higher mind at work that we tap into and then the brain's like an antenna, you know? So it's coming from the ethers, meaning from some huh. something more mystical that science is yet to kind of um uh to kind of figure out, you know? Okay. So it's one of those two things. Either it's just purely chemical reactions in your brain, or there's some higher things going on that we're yet to kind of uh, scientifically identify. Kind of like an avatar. Like you just, you kind of plug in. I just don't know. You know, it's, it really comes down to consciousness, consciousness. right? Like, um, are we swimming in a sea of consciousness that science is yet to really go look or, you know, got it that we're in a sea of consciousness, you know, and, mm -hmm. and am I pulling, are we pulling our creativity from that sea? Mm. Don't know. Maybe it is. I have no idea. It's one of those things I think we'll never know until it's, we're, we're fucking dead. Well, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, maybe science will figure it out. And be, you know, mm, I never thought about it that way. In a hundred years, <laughs> we'll be long or two hundred, I have no idea. But I like to put my faith in science, um, uh, figuring out the things that to us are more just mystical. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me throw one thing at you. Yeah. So I I believe that uh, when I believe that we we channel. Dead people. What kind of people? Dead people. Okay. So I think like, let's say like, uh, you're, you're a singer. So, uh, a singer before you, that's, that, that's passed away. Mm. That's done some cool shit. When I think when I also tie it in to people that take risks, I mm. think they, the energy only helps people that are like the out of control, take, taking the risk and they'll, they'll, they'll come in at, at, at the right moment and, and then, and then. Okay, well, that's, that's kind of like the 11th monkey thing where, like, a monkey on one side of the island <laughs> figures out how to crack a, a coconut, and mm -hmm. then on the other side of the island, island, with them never seeing each other, the other monkey starts doing that shit, too. So uh, yeah. that's like sea of consciousness, but also yeah. channeling maybe, too. Mm -hmm. Like I told you, I was really into the channelings of Barbara Marciniak, right? And she's hmm. channeling, you know... Uh, higher knowledge from a a, a different civilization. Huh. Um, so, um, which would be dead it, people? It's kind of what you're saying, right? You know. So again, like I told you, I'll believe anything and nothing. You know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yes. I'm fully open to what you're Amazing. saying could totally be true. I wonder. You know. 
we knew what it would suck if we die and we just never know. <laughs> it would be like one of those things like, man, like what, where, like, where did I come from? And the thing is, is like when you die, is it just fade to black and poof, nothing? Or do you die and wake up and go, oh, wow. Oh, that was a trip. And then I have, you know what I mean? Like, that's the fear. That's the fear of death. I was having this conversation recently. Like, what, what, what are people afraid of? Are they afraid of it going black? Are they afraid of the afterlife? Are they afraid of actual hell? I mean, what, what is it that we want, and what is it that we're afraid of? You know, right? Like for me, I don't fear the death, and I don't fear even if it's just like nothing after I die, like absolutely mm -hmm. nothing. This was it. Boom. I more yeah. fear like not leaving my family with enough resources. Of course, that's totally. the fear. Mm. I would call that, it's funny, uh, I, I call that hell. It's like if you, let's say God forbids something happens to you, like mm. you, where, where, where you go before you were supposed to go. Mm. And I think when you have your last thoughts, you're like, shit, I didn't leave what I wanted to leave behind. And I believe like the thoughts you have will probably are insane. Like, oh, like, fuck, I'm dead. I can't do anything. That's, that to me sounds like, like a hell. That sounds like a hell. Yeah, yeah, I don't need any of that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, because then all of a sudden yeah. you're dead and it's too late to do anything. Exactly. Well, I think that kind of subconsciously drives us to like, we're just working our asses off, grinding no matter what, no matter how much you owe to label or jive records, like, no matter, you just keep fucking, there's something that drives you this complete insane to work your ass off because you don't, you kind of just don't want to leave behind you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't want to go and have these like, like, like regrets. Well, you know, Hey, my, right. my, hey, my, my, uh, my family's fine. You right. Know, they're, they're my, 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 my girl, my, uh, son, they're fine. I, I did it. Right. That's where I'm at. And I got to tell you, like growing, heaven. growing up, I was never, um, I never imagined to be a homeowner and a husband and a father, mm -hmm. you know, I always just kind of saw my life as kind of like what's that famous drunk who wrote books um really good books the famous drunk you i'm got, sorry escapes me Bukowski? say it again Bukowski? yes boom yes um like that guy i always thought i'd be live a life like him just like be <laughs> oh he looked absolutely <laughs> just insane. be satisfied with just getting fucked you know wasted and living in a little apartment in long beach or venice and uh, never having kids and just being like Bukowski. Oh, but then, oh you know, goodness. I met my wife yes. and then now it's this whole it's other different. thing, you know, it's where different. I'm like worried because uh, she's much younger than me. And so mm -hmm. I've got this young family and I, uh, the biggest fear, like we were talking about is leaving the planet without setting them up with something. But, mm -hmm. you know, let's just say I, I drop dead right now and, and I don't leave them enough. You know what? They'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a weird, it's a deep, deep, subconscious drive. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think we'll, we'll it'll, it'll be like songwriting. I don't think we'll, we'll ever understand, you know? No, dude. Well, uh, Jared, I know you, you got you to take off. I, are we, are we, I have a show tonight. Yeah. Yeah. You, I kept you for 60 minutes longer than, than we should have. Dude, thank you so much for even bringing <laughs> me out here. I, it's, it's, I'm humbled and uh, what a great conversation. Uh, you obviously are good at what you do because this was comfortable. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Just thank, thank you for your time. And again, like, you know, we're, we're big fans and people in, in this, Jerry, I'm telling you, people in my scene, like the 
death metal, death core, hardcore scene. <laughs> Talk Are about Happy sure? E. <laughs> that's uh, that tickles it's cool, me. It's that, cool, that, man. I'm that telling that you, makes me smile. It really does. Yeah, man. Uh, so just always, you know, keep. I just want to, you know, you to leave with that. You know, you know, you have uh, you, you have support places that you may not have thought you have support. So right on, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'll leave with with some good uh, good vibes from that, knowing that. Well, last, uh, where could people find you? Well, you know, we're on the Facebook Head PE and the Facebook and uh, Instagram at the Real Head PE, and uh, that's about it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, new new song Detox. Three songs out now. Boom. Yeah, we got Came a, a last single. Week. The whole record should be out by the end of the year. Nice. And uh, I'm sure it'll be out on all the platforms. Boom. Thank you, brother. New music. Appreciate Anytime you, brother. Thank you so Pre much. Thank you, yes. man. Honor, man. Yes. All right, well, that's it. Later.